Monsieur. <rire>
Good morning. Welcome to First Church this morning. All those that are also listening on the radio, we let summer go this week and we're on to a harsh fall or an early winter, whatever you want to call it. So, But anyways, we can be thankful that uh, it's not white outside yet. So a uh, few announcements this morning uh, you'll find in your bulletins, a few that uh, we want to highlight. Uh, the rose on the altar this morning is in honor of John and Norma Schreer's uh, 61st years of marriage. So congratulations, John and Norma. Next Sunday begins Advent season, um, so keep that in mind. We'll look at hope and study scriptures in Isaiah 9 and in Galatians 4, and we'll have communion next Sunday. Also, next Sunday after the service, we're going to hang the hang the greens or decorate the church for Christmas, so uh, you can stick around and help. That's always appreciated. It's always a good time for everybody that, that is here. Uh, reminder on the church office, uh, closed on Thursday and Friday of this week. Uh, Wednesday evening is the joint Thanksgiving evening worship service worship service at the United Methodist Church at 7.30. The offering that night uh, supports Agape, and I just wanted to mention that I am the uh, representative from this church on the Agape board, and we had our meeting this week. And uh, if anyone has uh, time between uh, the middle of December to the end, one big chore they have to do every year is take inventory. And if you can count and write legibly, uh, you're more than welcome to help. Uh, they, uh, they could use some extra help at that time. And uh, I think there was one more that maybe I'm missing. Oh, today at 4 p.m. is the deadline to bring in your Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. So make sure you get them here by 4 o'clock today. And now, if you would, stand with me uh, for the call to worship. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. He remembered us in our lowest state. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives us food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. And if you would remain standing, we'll sing, Blessed Be Your Name.
Now we'll ask the children to come forward for the children's chat with Maria Lammers. And as they're doing that, we can all go. Good morning, girls and boys. Oh, let's try that again. That was pretty weak. Good morning, girls and boys. Good morning. Hey, on Friday, we played outside without our coats on. What happened yesterday? It got cold, Caleb says. It did. It did snow yesterday. Was that exciting? Yeah, my nephew thought that was exciting, too. Aunt Maria didn't think it was very exciting, though. Well, we have a special day coming up on Thursday. What is Thursday? Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving about? Okay, Lena. I don't know. You don't know. Yes, you do. What is Thanksgiving about? Turkeys. Thanksgiving is about turkeys and the pilgrims. I'm not having turkey for my. I'm you're, not having turkey on Thanksgiving. You're not having turkey. Because I'm doing to Chuck E. Cheese it's my birthday. Because it's your birthday. Perfect. How special is that? That your birthday is on Thanksgiving. That is awesome. Happy birthday a couple days early, Olivia. That is great. <clears throat> yes, Lena. The pilgrims met the Indians, yes. And Thanksgiving is a day when we are thankful, when we are thankful for all the things that we have. So I want you to turn your thinking brains on, and I want you to think, what are you thankful for? What is something that you are thankful for? Luke? God. God. What else are we thankful for? John, who are you thankful for? You're thankful for your friends. That's good. Turkey. Turkey. Kayla, what are you thankful for? No school? No, school. Oh, you love school. Okay. Yes, Lena. Oh, you're thankful for your Sunday school teachers. Very good. Joseph, what are you thankful for? Your dog. Our pets are very important to us, aren't they? Well, I have this little poem, and it comes... And it has some food with it. And this food helps us to think about our Thanksgiving blessings. It's called a blessing mix. Okay. And in here I have some bugles. Now, bugles are kind of old school. But they're these things right here. They kind of look like a cornucopia. And it says bugles are shaped like a cornucopia or a horn of plenty. A symbol of our nation's abundance. Because here in the United States we have a lot more than a lot of other countries do. Then we have some pretzels in here. The, they re, the, the pretzels resemble arms folded in prayer, a freedom sought by those who founded our country. Because that's part of the reason the pilgrims wanted to come to the New World, is so that they could pray the way they wanted to. I got, I got both in yeah. Then we have candy corn in here, and that represents the sacrifices the pilgrims made the first winter. Food was really, really scarce. There wasn't a lot of food. And the settlers survived by just eating a couple kernels of corn every day. Okay. Now, we're supposed to have nuts and seeds in here, but I left them out because I didn't know if anybody was allergic to them. So, the nuts or seeds promise a future harvest, one we reap only if the seeds are planted and tended with diligence. Then it calls for dried fruit. But who likes dried fruit? So I put fruit slices in because those taste better. And they represent harvest gifts from our bountiful land. 
And then what are these, Caleb? M&Ms. They're for the memories of those who come before us to lead us into a blessed future. They are all different colors. Yeah. And the last one, what's this down here? A chocolate, a Hershey kiss, are for the love of family and friends that sweeten our lives. So in this one little bag of goodies, we have every a lot of what Thanksgiving is all about. Okay? And so we're going to say a quick prayer, and then I have a treat for you guys in the front pew over there. There's a bag for each one of you, okay? So let, but we have to say a quick prayer first. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to live here in this great country where we can come to church and praise you the way we want to. Thank you for our bountiful harvest. Thank you for these wonderful children. Thank you for the weather and the harvest. And just thank you for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go down here to this front pew and find a treat. Keep in mind the family and friends of two servicemen killed in Kabul in Afghanistan in the last week. Private First Class Tyler R. Lubelt, 20, from Tamaroa, Illinois. Sergeant John W. Perry, 30, from Stockton, California. Good morning. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to remind you, I think this, this youth lesson, the child's chat, children's chat, was such a great reminder of what this week is all about, to be thankful to the Lord for all that he's done for us, both through, uh, both through the harvest and through the famine. You know, in a sense, the, both for what he has done for us in the good times and how he's been there for us through the difficult times of our lives. And, and so it's important for us to, to always be remember, remember that and be thankful for it. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that during the sermon today. Let's, let's pray the Lord at this time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, just worship you, Lord, in this moment uh, as we prepare our, our homes for Thanksgiving this week uh, and, and all that means for us and the different traditions we have, getting together with family and friends and, and others. Uh, and, and Lord, we also remember, uh, we remember you in the good times. We remember uh, you as we sit around the table with others and, and enjoy their company. Uh, but we also remember you, Lord, and, and are thankful and grateful for your presence in our lives during the difficult times when we've, when we've gone through times of loss of loved ones like the, the families of these soldiers are experiencing right now, uh, when, when holidays remind us of, of painful experiences in the past. Uh, Lord, even in those moments, even during those times, you are there with us, and it is your strength, it is your presence in our lives that gets us through those moments, both good and bad. And so I pray that your spirit would be with us this day. I pray that you would uh, move us forward, guide us uh, in the, through the week ahead. And no matter what it brings, Lord, uh, celebration, excitement, or sorrow, uh, we pray that you would strengthen us to face it, um, whatever you have in store for us this week. Uh, Lord, I pray also for uh, those who are out hunting this morning. Uh, it's a youth and, and young children, a, a hunting weekend uh, to go out with their, their parents and experience hunting for the first time. And so I pray for safety for, for all those who are out in the, in the woods at this time. I pray that you uh, bring them closer together as a family, help this to be a great experience for them to enjoy together. 
And I pray ultimately, Lord, for, your, for their safety, Lord, and that they would be able to return home um, to remember this experience in a positive way. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us and all you continue to do for us um, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray now as he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, this time, uh, the choir will be presenting some special music for us, and I, and I point that out to you because uh, there are some words printed in your bulletin. Uh, they're going to lead us in song and, and prepare us, and then at some point, I believe they're going to give us a sign, and we're going to join in uh, for one of the verses. And so I encourage you to have your bulletins out and enjoy this presentation of special music.
seated. Uh, this time I invite those who are helping uh, collect the offering to come forward. Pray with me now. Father, thank you for the opportunity to uh, give back in, in this way. Thank you for their, uh, the gifts that you have given us and the blessings you've given us. I pray now that you would allow us to now uh, bless, bless this ministry in a way that, that goes beyond what we're able to do on our own. But as we give in this way, uh, help our gifts to come together and support them in a, in a way that only you can do. In Christ we pray. Amen.
may be seated. Our final lessons this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Maria. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, I'm grateful for this opportunity to uh, preach your word. I pray that you would be with me. Your spirit would give me words to speak. I pray that you would open up the hearts and the minds of those who are gathered here this morning and those who are listening in and on the radio, and pray that uh, that we would all be able to receive the message that you have for us this morning. In Christ we pray, amen. So today is actually the last passage uh, from the book of Philippians that we'll be looking at together. Uh, we've been studying this, I think it's been 10 weeks if I counted them all up right, um, that we've worked from the beginning of Philippians all the way now to the end of the, the book. And I think it's been a, a great experience. One of the things that Allie uh, mentioned to me a couple weeks ago, she says, I think you feel like we, we keep hitting the same point over and over again. And, and it's true, we have, because because this theme of joy and the theme of sharing and the work of the gospel has been uh, something that's run throughout this letter. There's been other points, there's been other highlights as well, uh, but those those two themes have been prominent throughout this letter. And it started from our our very first uh, very first message on Philippians, and, and Paul here returns again to those themes to close out the letter. He kind of has come full circle now and is, is again uh, thanking the Philippians for the gifts, um, the way that they've supported his ministry, and then, uh, and then also giving us a lesson on what it means, what true contentment really is, and what true joy really is. And that's what I want to take time to look at with you today. Uh, all the way back in chapter 1, uh, verses 5 and 7, we see uh, that he had thanked them for the support of their ministry. 
verse 5 says, excuse me, beginning verse 3, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. And this is the reason. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, this, these are people that had helped Paul out. They had supported him during difficult times. And, and so Paul is, again, thanking them for the gift uh, that he's received here as he closes out the letter. And so uh, that's, that's the context of what's going on here. And, and Paul wants to make it clear that he is, he's thanking them for their gift, but he also wants them to know that he's not soliciting more gifts either. You guys have all probably received letters in the mail or phone calls, right? People that are asking for money, asking for support. And you could, you could, you know, see those coming from a mile away. Sometimes you don't even have to open the envelope. You can just see by, by the, the style of the envelope and what's going on that it's a person or ministry or business or something that's asking for your support and for your, uh, and they're trying to solicit financial support from you. Um, and so Paul is, makes it very clear here in this passage that he's not trying to solicit their support. He's simply trying to thank them and praise God for their support so far. And he says that in two ways. First, he says that he didn't actually need their gift. I think that's interesting. He thanks them for it, but he says he didn't actually need it because he learned what it means to be content in any and every circumstance. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more here in just a moment. And then in verse 17, he even goes on to say that he didn't even really ask for it, right? He wasn't, he wasn't out there looking for their support. He wasn't out there looking for their money or anything like that. Um, and so Paul makes it clear that while he is extremely grateful and, and it brings him joy to know that the Philippians had supported him in this way, um, he wasn't, he wasn't out trying to, trying to find it, right? He wasn't, uh, trying to get them to support him in that way. It's just something that they did out of the, out of their faith and out of their, the kindness of their heart. And I believe the reason why Paul felt like he needed to, to clarify this is because there were a lot of people in that day that went around um, and claimed to be philosophers, and they were uh, basically trying to solicit money from people. They'd preach on the corners, and, and, and then they'd go around and try to get people to, to pay them for their, for their teaching. And so that was a common thing for, for people to travel around and go from city to city and try to take advantage of people um, through their teaching and, and, and earn money that way. And so Paul's trying to make it very clear he's not one of those people. Right? He's, not, he's not there to just somehow earn a living or somehow uh, get rich off of the, the Philippian support. Um, instead, he's extremely grateful for their support, but wants to make it clear that, that he does not need it in that way. Kind of reminds me of, uh, um, you're all familiar with kind of the stereotypical, you know, uh, televangelist, right? 80s were kind of their heyday, but, you know, you'd, you'd see people that they'd ask you to send them money in return for God's blessing or prayer, like as if, as if you sending them a check was going to somehow, you know, convince God to bless you in some way, right? And it's, Paul had to try to, um, Paul had that same kind of thing that he was trying to combat against, right? He didn't want to make it seem like he was out to just get rich off of these people. Instead, he was genuinely thankful for their support and was looking forward to, to continuing to partner with them in ministry. And so Paul says here in, in these verses that the reason why he could say he doesn't need their support, the reason why he can be confident in that is because he's learned to be content no matter what the circumstances and this word content is a term that was often used by, by philosophers of the day. You guys probably all have heard the term stoicism or, or stoic, uh, someone who has, has a stoic demeanor. Um, that was actually a, a group of philosophers during that day that were actually quite popular. And one of the, the main teachings that they, that they spread was that you could 
somehow separate yourself from your external circumstances, that your, your joy and your happiness and your contentment in life was not based on, on your external circumstances. Sounds pretty familiar to what Paul is teaching, right? Uh, but, but the difference between Paul and these Stoics was that the Stoics would say that, that the strength that we need to live that kind of life, the strength that we need to have to be able to, to navigate the ups and downs in life in a, in a positive way came from inside yourself. It was your own like inner strength, self-sufficiency that would get you through the day. And eventually, right, you know, that would, that was, um, a very popular belief in that time. And you can see why, uh, the, the life is full of ups and downs. And so to have to, to, for someone to tell you that you have this inner strength and this ability to, to get through and navigate life in that way, uh, would have been a very appealing teaching. And it's very similar to what Paul has been teaching throughout Philippians. One of my favorite shows growing up was Seinfeld. I'm sure some of you can maybe relate to that. Uh, it's, it's maybe got a particular kind of humor uh, that it draws from, uh, but I loved it. I used to watch a, the show all the time. The reruns were always on at the same time every night, and so I'd go home and, and watch back-to-back episodes of Seinfeld. And one of my favorite episodes uh, had to do with uh, Frank Costanza, who was George's dad. Um, and he always had some anger issues, I guess you could say. He always had high blood pressure. And so he, he learned this mantra to try to help calm himself. It was called Serenity Now. Some of you are probably familiar with that. And so whenever he would get angry, whenever he'd get upset, he'd feel that his blood pressure start to rise. He would just start screaming Serenity Now at the top of his lungs. And it was somehow supposed to calm him down. And you can see throughout the episode that obviously it wasn't working. Um, the Stoics were kind of had the same philosophy. If you could just tell yourself to calm down, you know, the strength came from within, within you. Uh, but, but, you know, in the long run, that sort of philosophy doesn't work. It didn't work for Frank Costanza, and it probably wouldn't work for us either. Um, instead, Paul says that the reason why he's content in any and every circumstance, whether it's, whether it's a high point in his life or a low point in his life, it's not from his own inner strength. It's not from, from some, some, you know, power of his own will but it's from Christ. It's from the strength that Christ provides for him through the relationship that he has with his Lord. And so similar to the Stoics, Paul, Paul does not allow his external circumstances, good or bad, to determine his attitude. But it's, instead of it being that self-sufficient strength, it comes from Christ and it comes from that relationship with the Lord. And so it's because of that he's able to be content in every circumstance. The strength Paul received from Christ was the reason why Paul was able to endure all that he faced. And Paul experienced some serious hardship in his life. In 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul actually lists some of the difficult things that he faced. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, picking up in verse 21 through 28. Paul writes this, Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with, with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. 
I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? You see, Paul faced so much in his life, so much because of what he had given his life to in his relationship with Christ. And even this letter of the Philippians, we we talked about Paul wrote this from a jail cell, right? Of all people, Paul knew what it was like to go through hardship. He knew what it was like to experience that kind of loss and, and that kind of suffering for the sake of Christ. And yet in the midst of all of that, he was able to say, I have joy. I have contentment. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever from a worldly point of view. But it's because of that relationship with Christ, because of what God meant to him, and because of what Christ had done for him, because the Holy Spirit was present in his life, he was able to say, I'm all right. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I have Christ, and that's something that can never be taken away from that could, something that can never be taken away from you. But we often you know, so we, we, we understand what hardship is like. We understand that going through difficult times can draw someone to Christ. But the opposite can be just as, just as true. That sometimes we, we put so much hope and so much uh, influence in, in our good times that we often neglect Christ and neglect our relationship with him when things are going well. That's why Paul says it's not just during the hard times that he realized it, but it's during the times when he had plenty. It's in times when he was well-fed that he also realized that his strength comes from Christ. I think as as American Christians, we have this danger of succumbing to this idea that we can somehow save ourselves, right? We've become so, we have, by the world standards, we are rich beyond comparison. I've been told if you have food in your fridge, if you have a roof over your head, and you have a bed to sleep in and clothes on your back, you're one of the richest 5% in the world. I have no idea if 5% is accurate. I'm just saying that's, it's, it's something along those lines. But we often don't think that way. We often don't see how blessed we are. And we allow that to, to distract us from, from the Lord and distract us from our relationship with Him. Somebody once told me that we spend money we don't have on things we don't need in order to impress people we don't know. Something that we, it happens all the time. And as we gear up for the holidays, all right, that's, that's what Christmas is all about, right? Buying presents and getting the newest and best thing. And, and it's all about the things that we can collect instead of, instead of our relationship with Christ and allowing that to be where our true joy and true contentment comes from. And so we can just as easily be distracted from the Lord when everything is going right, just as much as when everything is going wrong. And so Paul wraps up the section in verse 13 by saying that he can do all these things through Christ who strengthens him. It's his, it's his source is from the Lord. The source of his strength, the source of his joy, the source of his contentment is from the Lord and nothing else. This verse, though, is often one that gets ripped out of context. How many of you guys have seen that verse on Tim Tebow's Eye Black or, or you know, posted all over posters that, that say you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? And, and taken out of context, it seems like you can do whatever you want as long as you have God on your side. Right? You, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is, is too hard for you. That if you just 
put your trust in the Lord, then he will allow you to do whatever your, your heart desires. And, and to an extent, that's true. Uh, but, but the reality is if I wanted to be an NBA basketball player, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I'm tall, right? I played basketball in high school. But, but just because this verse says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean that I could go try out for an NBA team and play on the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. It's just not going to happen no matter how hard I pray about that. It's just not meant to be. What this verse means is not that we can do anything we want because of God's strength in us through Christ. It means that we're able to endure whatever life throws our way because of what Christ has done for us and the strength that he provides. So whether life is going poorly for you, whether you're struggling, whether there's hardships that you're experiencing right now, you can endure those things. You can make it through because of the strength that God provides. Whether your life is going well and everything seems to be, those things are always bound to fail us eventually. Right? We can put our contentment in our family and our spouse and our kids. We can find contentment in our job and in, in our hobbies and, and the place that we live and the church that we belong to. And all of those things are good. But when we make those the central focus of our contentment, it's bound to fail because all of those things, however tragic it may be, can one day be taken away from us. We may lose family members. Right? We may find ourselves without a job. Our bank account may be down to nothing. This church building may be gone one day. But our relationship with Christ is something that can never be taken away from us. And that's where true contentment lies, is, is the fact that no matter what we face in this life, we'll be able to, to stand before God in the next, justified and forgiven because of what Christ has done for us. And that's something that we can trust in. That's, a, that's something that you can put your hope in because that can never be taken away. And so Paul talks first about what it means to find true contentment, but he also talks about uh, what it means to be truly generous. And that's the second half of this passage that I want to focus on today. Uh, we're blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Paul says that it was good for them in verse 14 to share in his troubles. He again goes back to thanking them for the gifts that, he's, that they offered to Paul. Unlike others who tried to take advantage of his imprisonment, we, 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 he referenced them earlier in this letter, the Philippians demonstrated, demonstrated a practical display of friendship. And it seems strange, too, that, that it was good for them to share in troubles. Right? That doesn't seem to make sense on the surface level. Last week in our... My Sunday school class, we talked about how God often asks us to do things that just don't make sense from a worldly perspective. And this is one of those things. Why would it be good for someone to share in their troubles? Well, the gifts were, were concrete evidence of the faith that God, was, that God was instilling in the believers in Philippi. It was the outward expression of, of the faith that, that was growing in their lives. And so it was good for them to share in their troubles because it was, it was an outward expression of the faith that they had. And, and in a sense, when we are able to share each other's burdens, right, it, it allows us to get through this life a little bit easier. Right? Whether you're giving gifts to a ministry that's enabling them to go above and beyond what they'd be able to do on their own, like missionaries in other countries or local ministries like Agape, right, by, by, by giving and supporting those ministries, you're, they're able to do more than they ever would be able to on their own. 
But it also applies, I think, to, to our friendships and our relationships as uh, family and friends and coworkers. You know, when we're able to share each other's burdens, when we're able to go out of our way to do something to help another person, it lightens their load a little bit. And that is such a significant thing. I'm sure you all have an experience where you've been going through a hard time or you were not doing so hot and someone went out of their way to just say a kind word to you or help you out. Um, it's such a significant thing that can go a long way. For the giver, it may not seem that, like that big of a deal, but for the one who receives the gift, it can mean the world to them. Paul says that it was that their giving, their gift that he, they gave to him was credited to their account. See, God recognizes those who give generously. God has made us stewards of the resources that he's given us, and he wants us to be good stewards. He wants us to spend our money wisely and spend our time wisely. Um, And part of being a good steward, part of being faithful to the resources that God has given us is, is giving and supporting other people. In Genesis 12, chapter, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, when God first called Abraham, he gave him this promise. He said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, when God called Abraham, it wasn't just about him and his little family in his corner of the world. But God was calling Abraham and blessing him in order that he could be a blessing for the entire world. And we as, as believers in Christ are Abraham's spiritual descendants. Right? We're all children of Abraham. And so that same principle applies to us. God has blessed us so that we can then bless others. That's, that's what it's all about. And so in doing so, we're being faithful to, the, to what God has given us. And the New Testament also teaches us that we'll, we will be judged. We'll have to give an account based on what we've done with the resources that God has given us. Matthew chapter 25 gives one of, I think, one of the most eye-opening parables, I think you can say, of Jesus' ministry. And it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? or in needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from you, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal life prepared, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, who did, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? 
he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous and the righteous to eternal life. That parable kind of sobers you up a little bit. It reminds us that, that, that we are responsible for the blessings that God has given us. And we need to then in turn do something with it. And when we bless others, when we give to others, when we support ministries or families who are in need, it's like we're serving God by serving those people. That's what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. So, so it's important for us to remember that. As we are blessed, as we are able, we should then turn around and give to others and support others who are in need. Giving is, in a sense, it's a statement of our faith in Christ. It's trusting that, that God will provide. It's trusting that when we put money in the offering plate or, or when we send in our pledge check or support a local ministry, when we're giving of our own resources, we're, we're making a statement that we will trust God to provide for us on our end. We'll trust that God will use those resources to bless and provide for whatever, whatever we're giving to. And ultimately, when you, when you put that money in the offering plate, uh, Steve Carmody, the pastor I was working with before I came here, he would, he would often say that when, we, when you put the money in the offering plate, you're making a statement saying that there is a God who is Lord of my life, and this is not it. I think that's such a profound thing. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is a, is a way that we can honor God by saying that he is Lord and our finances, our bank account is not going to control our lives. And that's why Paul says here that their giving was a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. <clears throat> this is a reference to the Old Testament and the sacrifices that were made in the temple. Uh, the, the Old Testament describes these offerings as being pleasing to the Lord. The, the aroma that came from them was, was something that, uh, what, that pleased God. And so Paul is saying in a sense that this giving <coughs> excuse me, was a sacrifice for the sake of the gospel and God was pleased by it. When we give in this way, we're saying that God, our relationship with Him, is more important than our desires, our wants, or our current level of comfort. And this, we're only able to do this. We're only able to give sacrificially if we believe and trust that, that God will provide the strength that we need to face whatever circumstances come our way. And this kind of generosity leads us to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that God will provide and has provided for us in the past and will provide for us again in the future. And that promise is, we see is in verse 19. That's what this all hinges on is that promise that God will meet all of our needs through the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. You see, that's what holds us all together. That's how we can have strength through Christ. That's how we can have contentment in every circumstance is by understanding that God will meet all of our needs through Christ Jesus. He's referring here to both our physical needs, I believe, as well as our spiritual needs. And the greatest need that we have in our lives is the fulfillment of that verse, that through Christ, God would give us the strength we need to face any and every situation faithfully. <coughs> Excuse me. He supplies the needs of his people in, by giving them what they need to face any hardship or any, even the good times in our life. His meeting our needs does not mean that we'll get exactly what we want, but we'll get exactly what it is we need. And it may look completely different than we expect. It may not be what we want, but God promises to take care of us like a good father, and that's something that we need to trust in. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about that thorn in his flesh. Whatever that may have been, a physical ailment, a sickness, a problem that he was facing in his ministry, whatever it was, he prayed that it would be taken away, but God didn't take it away. But God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That my grace is all you need. The relationship that you have with me is what will sustain you. And Paul was able to then say that his, his power, Christ's power is made perfect in his weakness. He was able to acknowledge that it was through his hardship, through his suffering, that God was honored and glorified. And that's where his true contentment was. And so as we prepare for Thanksgiving this week, as we uh, wrap up the series in Philippians and, and, and re- are reminded of, of our joy and our contentment in Christ, I think it's a great message for this week with Thanksgiving. Because no matter what you're facing, no matter what you have in this life, you can be hopeful and have joy because of your relationship with Christ. And so I, I pray that that is true of you. That if you're sitting here today or listening on the radio, that you would know Christ and be able to be encouraged by that. That whatever you face, you can have the strength that God provides through a relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for this message of joy and hope. That in You and through You, we're able to have our true contentment so that no matter what we face in this life, no matter what comes our way, our hope is ultimately in you, that we will stand before our Father one day and be able to to give an account and say that because of what Christ has done for us, because of our faithful response to that, that we have hope of life eternal. In Christ we pray. Amen. I encourage you to stand in closing and sing number four, How Great Thou Art.
may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.